0: So when you hear about our softball teams coming in second place, it's awesome for our E2 team. It doesn't sound so impressive for our E1 team because we we went undefeated all season in like the toughest bracket and we lost the championship game. So yes, it was an utter disappointment. We get a t-shirt, but not the one that says champion. I just refuse to wear it now. No, I'm kidding. Welcome to Element. If you are new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables around the room. You have a smartphone. You get an app called UVersion, Click on Live. It will bring us up by GPS, and it will give you all the sermon notes and the verses as well. Though apparently there's a problem with it, and sometimes the verses get all flipped around in there, and I'm really sorry. Really? But eh, we don't make that. We're going to make our own app at some point, and it's going to have everything where it's supposed to be, and if not, you get your money back. Boy, you guys are slow crowd today uh, i got I got two announcements for you The first one is this uh, We are doing uh, a thing called mo this is Men of element and men of Element try to do uh, various activities one every month uh, in June second week in June. we are doing a kayaking trip uh, we're going to go up and and go through some caves and and all that but h- here's the deal uh the it costs forty bucks so if you are an adult guy like over. 18 years old, 40 bucks, that includes all of the stuff, and it includes the guide that takes you into the cave so we don't kill ourselves when the tide comes in and smoosh. Okay, so that'll be good. If you have a kid who's between 10 and 15 and wants to come, they can give you a two-man kayak, but that's going to cost you an extra 20 bucks for your kid. So you can do that if you've got a kid and you guys want to do that together. Now, after first service, I had a whole bunch of ladies come up and attack me, which is never fun. And they say and they say, well why can't why can't girls go on the I said, because it's men of element. I mean it's men of element. I it just flows, right? It's, it's gonna be a co ed trip. <laughs> so if you are if you are a woman and, and you would like to go, you can sign up in the back. We're gonna make it a co ed trip. So I <laughs> so I don't get murdered. The second thing is this: uh, We there's a lady named Lisa Long, and she has been overseeing the women's ministry since Element started. She has done an amazing job. Uh, she actually was integral in getting us our uh, tax exempt status. Uh, she she's just amazing. But her life has gotten really busy in the last few months, as as a lot of us have. And so she was talking to me and then sent me an email about a month and a half ago, and she is stepping out of overseeing women's ministry. Uh, she's right there. Everybody say hi. Okay. Lisa, she, she's awesome. So if you guys never met her, you could say hi to her, accost her when the service is over, and say, you're going to go kayaking? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so what we've been, we've been talking to, uh, we, we had actually one person in mind that came up after Lisa was going to uh, pull out of this, and this person hasn't really been in charge of women's ministry before, and when we asked her, she said, well, I haven't really done it, and we said, Exactly. That's what we want. Because when we started Element, we had no idea what we were doing. It's like, we've never done this before. Woohoo! it's great. So we went and we, and we talked to this lady and her husband, and we sat down and had some conversations, and she has agreed to oversee her women's ministry. Uh, this is Jennifer Whitaker. So I just want you all to know that she has the, the full authority and support of the Element staff, and if you ever have any problems, she will beat you up. Yeah. You going kayaking? <laughs> I don't go kayaking either because I get sick on the swing, and I'm like, ah. I just chum the waters for everybody. Oh, look, fish! Put air in front of us; it'll be nice. Uh, why don't you guys stand with me, reading the God's Word? See Ephesians uh, chapter five, verse eighteen, and it says, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit." Let's pray. Father, we ask that this morning we would understand what it means to be filled with your spirit and how you then connect us as a family together to live out the life that you have given us. Help us to be those who show your saving love and grace to the entire world. Amen. Have a seat. So we are doing this short series. Before we get to the Song of Solomon, I promise we will start Song of Solomon next week. Hope you come prepared because you will need to be prepared for it. It's going to be great. Uh, so, we started this series on something that everybody seems to be confused on and The reason we did this is we 're trying to stay with a the little theme that I started at the beginning. Of the year, usually what happens is a church throughout history would have seasons. Before Christmas, they would do Advent. After Christmas, they would do the season of Epiphany, the season of showing forth. Then, about six weeks before Easter, you would hit the season of Lent, a time of reflection. And then, after you hit Easter, which is a time of celebration and joy, you hit a season called Pentecost. This would last for about seven weeks. We're doing it in three to four. You're, you're welcome. It's it's cool like that. So, if you have a Bible, open to Acts chapter two. We're going to cover. Today, Spirit in regard to the church. Acts chapter 2 is one of the key texts about the birth of the church. The first 13 verses in Acts chapter 2 are very important to what happens. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, fifth book, New Testament. Just in case you're looking, if you have a smartphone, boom, it's right there. It says this, "...when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them." All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? This is kind of like, these are people from the north. It would be like us saying, Are not all these people who are speaking Canadians? And they're like, Hey, what's it What's it about? And, and we all actually understand them in our own language. Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, which is where the pamphlet was invented. Egypt and Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, I already said that, and parts of living near Serene, visitors from Rome. That was a joke, by the way. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own verse 12 amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine now this is an amazing passage and again many people throughout history talk about this as the birth of the church which if you read through all, all scripture that should make you laugh because haha it's not really the birth of the church but here are the questions that are being asked what does this mean are not all these men who are speaking Galileans and how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language now in Acts chapter 1 gives a list of who was there. And it goes through a few people, including the disciples, Jesus' mother and brother. And what happens is people take this section, Acts chapter 2, completely out of context. They don't understand it in regards to the rest of Scripture, and they put some things in there that really shouldn't be in there. Acts chapter 2 tells you they're meeting together. This is the day of Pentecost. Whenever you read a big word in Scripture, if you've been into Element for any length of time, you know there is a backstory to a big word like that. And so this also has a rich history and heritage that goes with it. What does this mean? We're going to tackle the word Pentecost, open to Exodus chapter 12, because it means something to the story we're talking about. It means three things. It actually means Erev, Rav, Exodus 12, and Passover. So I clear that all up for you. See, it's... Whatever. Okay, in Acts chapter 1, these are first century Jews joined by what the text calls God. Gentiles. These are non-Jews drawn to the Jewish God. For these Jews, everything relates all the way back to the Exodus that comes out of Egypt. The Jews were enslaved to a terrible taskmaster in Pharaoh. They cry out and God hears their cry and He brings them out to redemption. He rescues and redeems them. The word redemption for Jews and for Christians alike all stems back to what happened directly to the Exodus. God bringing His people from death into life. So in Exodus chapter 12, the story begins with God saying this to his people verses 2 and 3 in Exodus chapter 12 This is to be for you the first month of the first of your year I'm having a hard time reading this morning I have no idea why Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month each man is to take a lamb for his family eat one for each household So what they do here is they're given instructions for a meal they're supposed to have and it's supposed to center around this lamb because that night they were going to be liberated from their slavery from their death and they're going to be brought into Freedom. This is the first month of the new year. This is the beginning of Passover. This is the institution of it. Now, you and I, we screw up. We do terrible things to each other. We have destructive consequences for the things that we do. But the question is, is there a new start? Is it always going to be this way? Is tomorrow going to be different than today? The Exodus story at its core is about a God who says it will be the first of a new year. The first is always a big deal. Tomorrow does not have to be a repeat of today. This God is not a God of despair, He is a God of hope. Every new day can be new. So everything's going to change. God wakes them up, and He says, now's the time to go. And they go. But there's a detail in verse 38 of chapter 12. This is what it says. Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Now the NIV misses the nuances of the text. It says, many other people. The ESV actually says, a mixed multitude. That's a much better rendering. The actual Hebrew words in this are the words, Arab, Rav. Everybody say Arab, Rav. Era of Rob. This means a mixed bag. It's like it's like a motley crew. And when this group leaves their slavery, it's not just Jewish people. It's an Arab, rav a rag group of nobodies, dark-skinned, light-skinned, rich, poor, strangers, friends. It's a potluck of humanity. Exodus 12, of rav this is huge to the story. When God rescues and redeems a Hebrew people, all sorts of others join in this movement. Those who don't fit the pattern. A whole group stumbles out of Egypt in redemption. This is central to Acts chapter 2. Now, as slaves, these Hebrews were owned by Pharaoh. So, they're not actually free until Pharaoh is rendered helpless, till so he can no longer own them and go after them. This is the idea of redemption. God brings these slaves out of Egypt into freedom. This happens when they cross the Red Sea, which is parted through no help of Charlton Heston, by the way. Uh, the The... Israelites go across on dry ground. God lets the when the Israel or when the Egyptians chase after them, the waves come back over and takes out the entire Egyptian army. And on the opposite shores, the Israelites rejoice because now they are truly free. Exodus 14:30 says, "That day the Lord saved Israel." In Exodus 15, Moses' sister crafts this song. It's a song that has been sung about freedom throughout the ages, and it's like a free at last song. Exodus 15, 2, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. So what happens is there's a Passover meal. Then a few days later, there's a defining act of liberation. And then this group, this Erev-Rav, wanders in the wilderness for 50 days. This is where we get the word Pentecost. Pentagram is like five sides. Pentecost is 50 days. 50 days after the Defining Act of Liberation, they come to the desert of Sinai. Exodus 19:1 and 2. On the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they had set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai. Now, Sinai is where they get the Ten Commandments. It's interesting because the word commands is not actually in the text, actually the ten words. And why does this happen? Because these people are now free, but what is their identity? Who are they? So at Sinai, God gives them an identity. You are my people. You are to be my priest to the entire world. How the world sees me is going to be how you act and what you do. So live in such a way that the world knows who I am. And there are some details about what happens at Sinai. And I hope I'm not losing you. We're going to pull this all together in just a minute. At Sinai, Exodus 19, 16, there is thunder. It says this, On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. Now, the word thunder is the word kolat. Everybody say kolat. So the next time it's all thundering, you be like, oh, what's the kolat outside? You'll be like, what? Are those funky shorts? I don't know what those are. <laughs> now, the word qual, it, it means thunder, but the O-T on the end is like an I-E-S. It makes it plural. So when you read the English, there was thunder. It literally reads, And there were voices. Exodus 19:18, one of my favorite verses, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. It's like fire. Voices and fire. These are the defining characteristics of this event. Why Sinai? It's the wilderness. It's not a country. There's there's not a governor. There's not a political ruler who assigns parking and charges you for it. Sinai is free. It's free from any political and national boundaries. God meets these people in a place that no one owns because no one owns this God. This God transcends nations and politics and regimes and political parties. He is greater than any way we think we have carved up the earth. This God is above all of this. So in a place that transcends nations and races and skin colors, this God shows up in voices and thunder and wind and fire. And he says, I redeemed you. Now here is the way to live. Again, this is 50 days later. They call it Pentecost. Now you go back to the first century. If you're a good Jew, every year you would celebrate Passover. This is the largest holiday in the Jewish calendar. And then three days after Passover, you would celebrate the Feast of First this is about giving. It's about first plants to come out of the ground after they were buried in the earth. Hmm, that sounds kind of interesting. Three days later, it comes out of the earth because they were buried. And hmm. Then 50 days after that, you would celebrate Pentecost, the giving of the Torah, the ten words that birthed and liberated these people to share God's love with the world. You have Matthew chapter 26. Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples. He is then arrested and put through a trial. He is then executed. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus rises from the dead. You have Passover. You have first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15:20 says, "But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep." Passover, first fruits. Fifty days after this, the disciples are gathered together in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And what story do you think they were reading out of the scriptures? Exodus 19 and 20 about a God who redeemed His people, the voices, the fire, God's hope for all people. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. This means languages. This is the word glossary. We get the word glossary from other languages as the Spirit enabled them. They were able to communicate God's saving love for all mankind. Kind In a way that people could understand What does this mean If you are a first century Jew You might just think Sinai is actually still happening God is still pursuing his people God still wants to display his grace And his sovereign love They are just sitting and reading about a God Who saves this Arab rob And brings salvation to all nationalities There's actually one rabbinical commentary On Exodus that says that From Sinai 70 tons of fire Went out to the entire earth In Acts chapter 2, you see the same God again with fire and voices, enabling his people to speak of the wonders of this God to a people from everywhere around the world. In 1978, there is an Englishman in Burma who stumbles across a people in an area known as Rangoon. Now, this is an unreached people. No one has ever talked to them before, no outsider has met them. And so when he's able to communicate finally, he says, What God do you follow? What is your religion? Having no other contacts with the outside world, they tell a story about a God who met His people at a mountain. His name was Yahweh, and He shared His saving love with His people. It's amazing. Do you know that Sinai is the only place in any world religion where a God shows up and speaks to a whole group of people and not just one person? And what does He say? He says, You are mine, and you will share my redemption with all mankind. Jesus comes. He follows this pattern Exactly. When we talk about the birth of the church, it's actually simply a desire for God's continuation to have a people who will show the world who He is, His saving love to the entire world. The church, in one sense, is a brand new idea centered around Christ, but it's also a very old idea as well. Now, so what does this mean? Question number two, are not all these men who are speaking Galilean, Galileans? This speak be like people from Santa Barbara, how they look at people in Santa Maria. It's like, aren't those all Santa Marians? They're not that bright over there. I don't know what's going on. Aren't they just normal people? How do they do extraordinary things? In order to understand this, I'm going to talk to you about a guy named LeBron James. However you feel about him and his switch between teams, he's a basketball player, by the way, his switch between teams and his attitude on the court, whatever, when he first hits the scene, he's doing things nobody else does on on the basketball court. And I'm not even a basketball fan, and I hear about LeBron James. My wife's a basketball fan, though, by the way. LeBron James, in his mid-20s, they're talking about how he's going to surpass Michael Jordan. It's like when Tiger Woods starts playing golf, it's like just a whole different level of play. So there, a couple years ago, LeBron James is playing against the Celtics in a, in a playoff game when he's still playing for Cleveland. He dunks the ball over a couple of defenders' heads, and it's like the announcer doesn't know what to do, so he blurts out the craziest thing. I want you to know, it's, tw- it's like 20 seconds long. Watch this clip. The work they've done on that front line is terrific for Cleveland. Well, comes out on the ground, Now they're switching his again. A switch screen. With no regard for for human life. Really? Really? What does that even mean, right? You know what the Nike campaign was for LeBron James? Here's a picture. We are all witnesses. And the bottom left-hand corner says buy stuff at NikeBasketball.com no, it says believe at NikeBasketball.com they refer to him as like the chosen one witness to him buy your tickets and your jerseys and your hot dogs and your beer and cheer at the right time and all that buy his headband and then you can jump like him you know, but, but it's not like Tinkerbell and Peter Pan where you get the magic dust he's not going to give you his magic talcum powder so you can play on a level with him if you're playing basketball with LeBron James he will never pass you the ball Ever, Do you think Tiger Woods or LeBron James think you can do what they do? Not at all. See, it is one thing to be a spectator. It's another thing to be inspired. But in Acts chapter 2, they're not inspired. They're not spectating. They're being empowered by God's Spirit. You may say, when are we going to start talking about Spirit? We have been the entire time. In Acts chapter 2, ordinary people are called to share in the life of God and share this with the world around them. They are God's representatives to a people who need to know the saving grace and love of God to show how we are supposed to live. And can these people do it? Does God believe these normal people are more than just spectators and consumers? Yes, because they are empowered with His Spirit. These people are an Arab Rob, and they are empowered to share God's saving life with the entire world. World, It's an amazing thing that happens there. It's an amazing thing that's still offered to you and I today. This is not protesting. It's not holding signs. It's not angry debate. This is you in your life living in bondage to sin that entangles you and holds you down. And Christ comes and pulls you out of the hell that you're in. He sets you free. And now you live as part of his era of rob, able to be a living witness to who he is in this world and do what he did by being his hands and his feet to the world empowered by him. Witnessing is living it is missional, intentional, it is free-form, it is free-flowing. It is not Bible tracks. It is, let me show you what I have encountered, what Jesus has done in my life. That is witnessing. The church is an Arab rob a people rescued from darkness and brought into light all nations on earth who believe. And it doesn't fit into a category or a box. I have read that architecture of certain buildings will teach you about who built them and the purpose for them. This was a car dealership and you can probably tell at one point it it was built like that. But the structure helps you to learn what they had in mind. When God calls His people to be a church, it's not about a building. It's about a body. It's about the action is always outside of these walls. It's not inside. We come together and worship and learn together but the action of our lives is outside of these walls. That's where it's meant to be. Action is always somewhere else, and we are empowered to live that life. What does this mean? Are not all these men are speaking Galileans? And the third question is: How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Now, this is some exciting stuff that's going on. The experience, of the spirit of God leads to a lot of leads to awe and worship, but then also some more questions in that as well. And if you look through Acts chapter 2 for some key words, what you would pick out is this, suddenly, sound of violent wind, tongues of fire, bewilderment, utterly amazed, amazed and perplexed, some made fun of them. Now, Christians have said for years, this is the fundamental passage about the birth of the church. Are these words you think of when you think of church? Bewilderment, amazed, perplexed, chaos, order, you know? Yes, the Spirit does some things are perplexing. It brings bewilderment. But that always results in a type of order. Each of us hears them in his own native language. This is a problem what a lot of people have done with Spirit in churches. Either we go all chaos and there's no order and people remain emotional imprints in the relation to the relationship with God. Many people get hurt and confused. But other people go the opposite direction and they just don't talk about them at all and they have just a bunch of rigid rules and the Spirit acts like Elvis and He leaves the building. God's Spirit resides in us. He gives us new life, but He cannot be contained by us. He brings wonder and awe and life, but that leads to a reordering of our lives. And and all makes sense in light of what God has done. And He wants us displayed to the entire world by what His children do. Each of us hears them in His own native language. It is understandable. The gospel becomes understandable by the way God's children live their lives. Australian scholar Alan Hirsch did some research on the sociology of the early church. Some amazing facts. Uh, this, is, this is one of them. Uh, the Roman Empire in AD 100, about 70 years after the resurrection, there were about 25,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. It, it was, at this time, it's illegal to be a Christian. They had no buildings per se, like you meet in people's homes, but no buildings. They had the Hebrew scriptures, some writings of the apostles, but not a Bible like you have. And on top of that, it's totally hard to join. It's not like, hey, give your life to Jesus, yay. That wasn't it. You could say, I want to follow Jesus. And many church fathers would say, okay, great. You can take upon yourself the teachings of Jesus. You need to be part of our community. And you can try loving your enemies and giving to the poor and fasting and praying. And if over time you decide you really do want to continue, we will have a service where you get confirmed. It was always, are you serious? Because it's not easy. They're like, let's see if they really follow through. So at year 125,000 professing Christians, No scriptures, no buildings, hard to join. Year 320 AD rolls around. You know how many Christians are in the Roman Empire? 20 million. Amazing. Amazing. 25,000 to 20 million. 200 years. It looks like this movement when it's stripped of buildings to make it illegal and hard. It thrives. Why? Because with no building and budget and illegal and hard, all you're left with is the Spirit of God working through His people as they live the gospel. And they spread the word to everyone by telling them, my life has been changing and this is what God has done. And that is more powerful than anything in the world. Now you may think, well, you know, that was way back then. We have cars now. It's totally different. So, okay. Now, here's a picture of Mao Zedong, evil guy. Uh when he took over Roman China in the mid nineteen hundreds he starts a brutal and systematic campaign to get rid of all Christians. It's estimated when Mao took power there were two million Christians in China. So he banishes all missionaries and ministers. He nationalizes church property, takes it away, imminent domain, kills all senior Christian leaders in churches. And then he takes all second and third level leaders and he imprisons and tortures them. Many of them are killed. Then he bans all Christian meetings altogether. They're all illegal. Okay, so 2 million Christians when he comes to power. When he dies, you know what the estimate is of how many Christians are in China? 60 million. 60 million. That is the Spirit of God. Is the Spirit of God making us into a church where it's only our own narrow way and it's got to be like this? Is it Santa Maria traditions? Oh, you don't have tri-tip and cookies? Well, you can't be saved. You know, what's up with that? (laughs) What is it? It's the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit is wild and He empowers His people to something. Something. That is actually, it's actually a reflection of something that is very, very old. And he brings a sense of order to everything that he does, making an empowered community that is filled with his people of all shapes and sizes and skin colors and all people who have embraced the risen Christ. Nobody owns this God. This God owns us. That's the point. The Spirit will not be placed in a box by how we think we, he must act, what we think he must do, or what he can't do. God will place him in us, and he will give us life and He will lead us into all truth. And this may be different than what you think, because God's Spirit doesn't make you healthy and wealthy, but He does make you very wise. The Spirit connected to the people of God, the church, and this makes the church amazingly diverse, amazingly diverse. Uh, Element, we're a little different. Uh, I get told that all the time. I got told that maybe some other churches in town like to make fun of us a little bit. I'm cool with that. As long as we keep reaching people for Jesus, I'm fine with that. Make fun of me all you want. I, I don't really care. Okay, uh, but, but so we are a little different. But I also know of some people who are in Thailand, and there are some prostitutes in Thailand who come out of prostitution, and they want to join a church, and no church will have them there. Because it's like, oh, you were a prostitute. You can't you know, be, be a part of our church. And so what happens is we know this couple, and what they have done is they have actually started a church for these prostitutes. And the church is booming. These ladies are coming in because they find a place where they're loved and, and, and accepted, and they know the love of Christ, and their lives change, and they have a community around them. I know some people who just went to uh, Kenya a little bit ago, and there are, and there are some churches in Kenya and, that aren't reaching out to people with AIDS because no one wants to touch them. So there's a few Christians that get together and they start a church that specifically reaches out to touch these people with AIDS because nobody else will. The church is meant to be amazingly diverse. Amazingly diverse. The Spirit is like wind. The Spirit's like fire, yet each of us hears Him in His own native language. And sometimes He brings a little bit of wildness and chaos to our lives, but He brings His order in that. That is the Spirit of God. And the question for us is, do we have this fire do we have this wind has our Christian life simply become routine I mean if you read your Bible do you read it and go to church and go home and it's all boring you know church is supposed to be a people caught up in the spirit of God we are empowered we are captivated we're amazed we're perplexed we're bewildered following Jesus is meant to be thrilling and intoxicating and have you lost that or have you never even had it in Acts chapter 2 the people were reminded that the story of Sinai was still alive and I will tell you is still alive today god's spirit continues to move and live in his people as we live on mission i mean we even gathered today to be part of that that era of Rav as well you and i living in the spirit of god this is made possible by god sending his son jesus to pay for our sin what separates us from him and from each other and this is why we celebrate communion every week it's a representation of this idea of passover where you take that cracker and you break it like Christ's body was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grapes that represents His blood that was shed for you and I because He is our Passover Lamb who was slain. He is the one who redeems and restores us. And then Jesus rises from the dead, the first fruits of the resurrection. And so we are a people who also give and we offer the opportunity every week to give. There's offering boxes on the side wall on the back. We give because God gave so much to us, our first fruits. But then He sends the Spirit what the Spirit does enables us to live and worship Him. And the band's going to come up. And we will do this through some song. I will do this through prayer. If you've never met Jesus, you never experienced this the Spirit, wind, what God calls us to be, we invite you to go and pray with them. Then God also takes His Spirit when He places it in us and He calls us together as a people, as an Arab Rav so that we live as he calls us to live and this is one of the reasons like American culture doesn't understand this so much because we have so much individuality oh, it's all about me, me, me and God says no it's all about all those I have saved and so what we try to do every week is throw some cookies and stuff in the back and some really bad coffee that I made and you guys can, can have some of that and get to meet some other people because it's not just about doing the life alone it is about doing it in community with other people we are saved, and God makes us part of his Arab Ra ragtag group of nobodies, serving the living God, doing amazing things, because he gives us the power to do so. That is what the church is. And I encourage you, if you've never lived and walked in the Spirit, pray with somebody, and try and get the idea around that, of what that means for you and I as a people. This Arab Rob. If, if you have a small group or some friends you go to lunch with, let's talk about that over lunch. Go, what do you think, Arab Rob? That's pretty cool, huh? Now, am I saying it right, Arab Rob? you know, You're like, no, yeah. It's an amazing thing that God gives us the spirit to live as He calls us to live, so we have the strength to do so. Live in His strength. Let's pray, Father. This morning, I do ask that we would understand what it means to live as this Arab Rob, as a people together moving forward to the mission that You call us to honoring you by what we say and what we do by the attitudes and reflections of our hearts and sometimes in our lives we feel like we we have to try and go alone and yet one of the points of Exodus and Acts chapter 2 is that we were never intended to do it alone It's first through the strength of your spirit given to us. But it's secondly through us doing it together. As an Arab, Arab, learning how to do life. Lord, you are the only one who can take dying humanity and raise us to life again. It is through the power of your cross and your ultimate resurrection. Give us the focus and the vision to be able to see that so that we can live in the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit, truly being who you call us to be. So the gospel makes sense to the entire world around us. So people see and hear you in their own native language of their workplaces and their neighborhoods and their homes by how we, as your people, live and speak with words of gracious hope and gracious kindness. Have us remember to always live in your strength that you provide. Amen.